Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. How are you guys doing out there today? We got some good news in Texas, and we are slowly reopening up our state. So I hope that you're one of the people that think it's good news. I am really excited just to sort of be around people and to hug them and to let, well, I guess you can't hug yet. I don't know if you can hug or not. <laughs> don't tell anyone I said that, like the governor. I don't know if you can hug or not yet. Uh, but I am super excited to be around people. And man, this has been such a crazy season. This week, we are really focusing on guests. You guys have heard so much from me in the last several weeks. I wanted to get some perspective from um, some other people. So yesterday we had Boppy Bopart on. He was amazing. Um, we're going to have Jim Dennison on tomorrow. But today we, we, we have um, a lady by the name of Scarlett. Let me, I want to get this right. Hill to Bidal, I believe is how you say it. And she wrote a book called Afraid of All the Things. Now, this book um, released last, last year, but um, I think it's very, very relevant for what we are going through right now because I, I see, feel that there is so much fear that is going on everywhere. We're afraid to wear a mask. We're afraid not to wear a mask. We're afraid to wear gloves. We're afraid not to wear gloves. We're afraid to go on a walk. We're afraid not to go on a walk. I mean, if we touch the eggs at Target, are we gonna get Corona? So I think that this is a really relevant conversation that I'm excited to have. Um, for those, A lot of you guys do subscribe to the podcast. We're gonna podcast this one for your listening pleasure if you wanna re-listen to it. Those of you that are listening via podcast, we love you. Thank you so much for your massive support. It's amazing just to see you guys uh listen <laughs> it's really nice let me go ahead and welcome our guest to the show welcome scarlett how are you doing today hi autumn i'm so happy to be here how am i doing i don't know how to answer that question these days i don't know um i'm like every emotion every day <laughs> how is it over you're in tennessee i believe how is it how what's the what's the temperature the mental emotional temperature over there in tennessee Man, I don't even know because we're all locked up. I don't know. Let me see. What is the temperature? I know. I think we're starting to reopen some stuff on Friday. So that's exciting. Um, I was, you were just talking about hugging. I was telling my sister the other day, like, I wonder if hugging is ever going to be a thing again. <laughs> because like, I don't know, like I'm, I think I'm immunocompromised. I had this whole health thing last year that has trickled into this year and it's really frustrating. So I'm like trying to be extra careful because I've, I, the whole first part of this quarantine, I was really, really sick. I got tested for the coronavirus. I was negative, but I was like, I had pneumonia. I was catching everything. It was really bad. So I'm like, you know, being very cautious, but my goodness, do I miss the world? And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I've barely been to the store. I've been to the store one time and it was two days ago. So I don't know. <laughs> Oh my God. Just one time in two days. I mean, in yeah. all this time. Wow. Yeah, I know. 
But a lot of people, I mean, especially if you if you're immunocompromised, I mean that I would I would be right there with you. Um, I I love I want to get into your book because I want there's there's so much that we can talk about here. You wrote this book called Afraid of All the Things and don't you feel like everyone is afraid of literally all the things right now? Uh, talk to me about this book and where, like, what inspired it. It's kind of a prophetic book. <laughs> it's been last year, but hello, we're living, we're, I mean, people have problems with anxiety, always, always have, but I just feel like it's extra, it's an extra big problem right now. Talk to me about the heart behind your book. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like, this is such a huge part of my testimony. The book's kind of a memoir. It's, it's my story of learning to, um, learning to rest in the everyday because of the truth of the gospel and, um, just trying to hold the truth of the Bible and Jesus in that book, living and active into my everyday fears. So like, this is a battle I've been fighting for years and years and years my whole life. And so it's funny when this whole coronavirus thing happened, I was kind of not that scared because it's like, I'm always fighting, <laughs> I'm always fighting fear. And so, um, yeah, the heart behind the book is, like I said, I, um, I grew up very anxious when my parents got divorced when I was, well, rewind. Um, my mom was an actress. My biological dad was a fire eater. I had this very strange, colorful upbringing. And then my parents got divorced and then I had a nervous stomach. And then I grew up and I just kind of, I was a mess. I was very anxious on and off anxiety medication, anorexic bulimic in college, you know, I just kind of go through all these phases of my life. Um, but the, what inspired the book was uh, I was in a group of women and I'm sure we'll get into this in our conversation, but the nutshell version is um, I had been a Christian since I was 14, but I didn't have that joy and peace that is supposed to mark a Christian. You know, the whole benefit of, you know, other than eternity, I would kind of like look forward to eternity. Like someday I can rest and have peace and joy, but right now I'm miserable. And um, I learned from this woman just kind of explaining how she did her life and what her goals were and how she um, would rest in the perfection of Christ every day rather than despairing in her failures, rather than living with a, I can earn God's favor mentality. Um, it just kind of shifted everything for me. So I still fight fear today, but I, I'm not a slave to it like I used to be. So that's what inspired the book. But it's, it's a lot of stories and stuff like that. So this has been like... Um... You, you know, you're, I'm glad you wrote this book because this is a lot of people's stories. I mean, I feel like the more we talk about anxiety um, and uh, just fear in general, it's, 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 it's everywhere. Everyone, right? So I feel like a lot of people that are even listening to the show right now are going, yeah, me too. Yeah, that's exactly how I've grown up. That's exactly um, what I've, I, I've experienced a version of that in my life. Um, I, 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 I find it, and this is really interesting. Um, you grew up in the green room of SNL. Um, you, you mentioned that your mom was an actress, but tell me about that. And how did that, it, it says from your publicist, it shaped your life. I want to hear about that story. Hmm. Well, okay. So my mom got hired as a cast member on SNL when I was six months old. So we lived in Los Angeles and we moved to New York. And I mean, it was like the John Lovitz, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman era, Adam Sandler, Rob oh Schneider. <laughs> I know. Crazy. I know. It's super crazy. And of course, like now it's, I have these stories and memories and it's so cool for me to look back on. Now I'm like, you know, a mom of three, just living a normal life. Um, but um, 
yeah, but back then it was not cool or special to me at all. Cause I was a baby <laughs> and I was, you know, I was like, it was, she was on the show for six seasons. So, you know, I remember it, but I remember kid stuff, like, you know, the jelly packets on the food table in the green rooms that I would eat out of the packet. And I was like, oh yeah, there's more jelly. Like that's the stuff I remember. <laughs> and I remember cool stuff about some of the comedians, but it was more like memories that you'd have with an uncle, you know, like coming to my birthday party. Um, and I remember them being really funny, but as far as it shaping me, you know, that's something that I, you know, how many of us, well, maybe now the whole, the Enneagram is a thing now. So now maybe we're psychoanalyzing ourselves more, but I never really psychoanalyzed like how that shaped me until I was writing this book. And even now, like my free time, I love watching stand-up comedy. And I told my mom the other day, I was like, I just now realized like I'm 34. Maybe I like stand-up comedy because of my, my upbringing, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I don't know how much of it was like, I was born very anxious by nature, which I totally believe is a thing. Um, how much of it was circumstantial? We moved around a ton. You know, it was a really cool thing to travel with my mom doing stand up and like Y2K. I was on a sitting in the wings of a stage with who was it? It was Dana Carvey, Kevin Nealon, and John Lovitz. And we were singing Old Lang Syne, like weird, cool stuff like that. But like, you know, I just, I craved stability. I wanted to have a normal, when I was a teenager, I was like, my goal is to just be as normal as possible. And like, you know, I, I don't know. So I guess that's how it, how it shaped me. But, um, you know, the book is about how the gospel reshaped me because I just, I kept clinging to things, you know, whether it was, you know, trying to have my high school boyfriend love me or, trying to look a certain way. I just was trying to find some kind of stability and peace and I could not find it in anything. In If I tried to gain some kind of achievement and then got it, I would still feel anxious and empty. So so that, yeah, that's it. That's so, my long-winded so answer. <laughs> so this is a great answer. So you, you, you remember this fear and anxiety from an early age. Can you tell me when, what's your first memory of uh, of this just sort of uh, severe uh, struggle? Yeah, I so my we so let's see. So my mom left the show and she re, she divorced my biological father. She reconnected with her high school sweetheart who is a SWAT guy in Miami. Um who he had his, I know, he had his he had his pinky shot off. So like our dinner conversation was like an episode of Breaking Bad. Like that was his life. Um, <laughs> so as you would imagine I'm a very paranoid and overprotective parent. But um no, I'm working on that. Uh, hold on. Oh, first memory. So yeah, I, I just remember we had moved from LA to New York to Connecticut to Miami and I was six and I remember starting a new school and feeling nauseated every day on the way to school. So it was always when we were in the car on the way and I felt like I was going to throw up. And so eventually my mom took me to the doctor and the doctor was like, Oh, you have a nervous stomach. You're okay. And like, that didn't help. You know, I'm like, what? I don't know. I wasn't thinking the words like I have anxiety. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that my stomach hurt every day. And then like the peak thing, the first chapter of the book, I write about collapsing in a grocery store because I had just read Madeline, that book about the redhead who has appendicitis. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm her. My stomach hurts all the time. I'm dying. And so I collapsed and they took me to the hospital and we were in a, we were out of town. And so a new doctor in a new city was like, you're really healthy. Don't read Madeline, you know? <laughs> so oh yeah, that's when it all started. Okay, so you talk about this, um, the gospel sort of reshaping you. And I think this, you know, let's, let's, let's fest forward a lot of years to Corona. 
Um, here we have people, and it is interesting. I, I've what you said at the beginning of the show was, you know, I'm not that really worried because I've been worried about horrible things my whole life happening to me. I feel like, you know, if you've gone through, I was married to an abusive man. So, sort of when you when you when you're a survivor, um, things like this, although they are a little scary, they get your attention. I don't know that I have been overly like terrified you know because i've i've survived abuse so so I, I understand that thought process but a lot of people have gone into corona they've had these anxieties these fears before and now they find themselves in a crippled um situation where maybe they're not and i, I believe that we're talking to people right now that um won't leave their house even even when the stay at home is lifted and um, maybe we're a month out. They're still not wanting to leave their house. They're very scared about what they touch. They're very scared about, you know, who's coughing on the other aisle. And, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do we, how do people that are listening that are like, this is me, you just described myself, mm-hmm. how, and how did you, and how can they use the gospel to sort of reshape, which is the way you put it your perspective on fear and anxiety? That's such a good question. Okay. The first thing I would say is like, I get you, whoever you are that's listening. Like, I think it's really important that those of us who are not currently feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, just realize like, this is one, this is so hard for everyone in so many different ways, whether it's just the feeling of loss, like job loss, loss of health, loss of loved ones. Um, it's a hard thing, but two, like, you know, and I write this in the book, like, I'm so glad I didn't write a book that was like, I've overcome anxiety and here's how, and so can you. Like, that's not what this book is because I still fight it. Um, I'll talk in a second about how it, the gospel has reshaped me. But first I just wanted to say, um, you know, who, maybe in a week I'll be afraid to, to leave my house and I'll have to fight that battle because um, it is really hard. And, and I don't want to come across flippant when I said I'm not struggling with it right now because I'm not. And, you know, like you said, maybe it is having as a result of having been through hard things already being a survivor, um, or just playing that or, you know, doing that thing in your head where you're having to take every thought captive, um, and, and fight it. And it's like, I'm so used to fighting that battle that it's like, I I was already doing it when this happened. And, um, I think that's kind of like a, a big secret to peace is like, if you're busy, I wouldn't say even fighting anxiety, if you're busy worshiping God and just kind of zooming out from the little picture of our lives and this moment in history and just kind of zoom out to eternity and like, okay, my belief system, our belief system, um, if we believe the Bible is true, is that God is outside of time, outside of everything. He is good. He's loving. He's our father um, because of Jesus, his death and resurrection. And this is leading into the whole, how the gospel reshaped me. But you know, because of his death and resurrection, we have this access to God. So we can talk, we can talk to him. We can open his word and his spirit will talk to us because in Hebrews, it says the Bible is living and active. Like Jesus is in that book. So when we remember that it is so much more, it's so much harder to be, to be focused on even these things that feel really big right now. And that are really big right now. Like coronavirus is not a small thing, but in light of eternity, you know, the, like that hymn, the things of this world really do grow strangely dim when we have our focus on eternal things. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Like that is what I, remind myself all the time because that's where the peace is. The peace is in Christ. He's the only place we can find peace. So um, that would be my first part of answer to the question. But the second part, just how the gospel reshaped me. Um, like I said earlier, when I met that woman and she just, she was talking parenting advice. I was in this small group of women 
And she just explains to me like, you know, because at the time I was very anxious about being a bad mom, my baby dying. I was, I was like these people who are afraid to leave their house, but as it relates yeah. to parenting, I was like, uh, you know, wouldn't sleep, watching her breathing. I was very stuck in my head, very zeroed in on this anxiety thing. Um, and she just said, you know, I don't try to be the perfect mom or raise the perfect kids. I can't do that. I try to, um, you know, uh, expose my weakness and show them how much I need the Lord. So when I fail them, because I'm going to, I don't hide my failures. I expose them and I say, you know, mommy, mommy failed. That was wrong. I sinned. I'm so sorry that I, you know, raised my voice. Here's what I do when I sin. And then she would pray out loud and repent and turn from her sin and, and ask God for forgiveness. And I thought, wow, like if you live like that, like there's no reason to despair because you know, the way I was living, I, I believed that Jesus, I needed Jesus to save me, but I thought I better do a really good job after that. And so every day I would either feel like I did a good job by my own standards of whatever good job is a good job is. And then I would like pat myself on the back and feel pride and like self-worship, or I would feel despair because I would fail a lot. So that just kind of changed my whole life. It changed my marriage, my friendships, everything, my parenting, especially. And I just learned that, okay, I'm going to, coronavirus, you know, who knew coronavirus was going to come in 2020, but now, now that it has, it's like, okay, this is really scary. When I had pneumonia and I had to go into the urgent care, I was not peaceful. I was like scared. Um, this was like the beginning of the whole quarantine thing, but I just had to remind myself, okay, am I going to be a slave to my fear and let it dictate everything I think and do? Or am I going to force my brain to, you know, remember the truth and cling to God's word and not isolate uh, socially, but like be in community, however we can be in community right now. Um, and that's how I fight it. That's how my my uh, perspective went from being like arms out, protect myself, insulate myself to like, oh my goodness, I'm so loved. God, how do you want to use me today? You have control over if I catch the coronavirus or not, you know? So how can you use me today? And it's such, that's that's how you to live peaceful, not by barricading yourself in your house. But that is hard to believe when you're trapped in it. And I think it's really complicated. And I think that there's a physical aspect and there's a spiritual aspect. And, um, you know, anyway, I'm, I'll ramble I, forever. I like, so, I, no, I, I, I think this is important. It's important, I think, for people to kind of have a me too moment where they're like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. This is what she did. I'm not normal. I'm not crazy. I'm not, yeah. this, this isn't, this is like, Sometimes I think fear and anxiety, first of all, I, I think I used to struggle with this a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and fear and anxiety will get you isolated. Satan will isolate your mind. Like you're yeah. the only one thinking of this. Or if I told them what I, that I actually think, I remember thinking, um, I have a 14 year old daughter. I just knew I was going to die during childbirth. I just mm -hmm. knew. I was going to die during childbirth yeah. after I had her because I had heard, I had listened to someone's story that their cousin's nephew's sister's <sighs> aunt's grandma in, in 1910 <laughs> passed away during childbirth. And while that is definitely happens, the odds of that happening, I had her in 2005. So the odds of that happening mm -hmm. were very slim for me. Right. But I had swallowed this lie that this was going to happen to me. And it was after, of course, I had her. Now she's 14. Clearly, I didn't die. Mm -hmm. It was like after, right after I had her, and I remember going home from the hospital, like, you, you don't think that you would have this thought. I, I thought it was like God said, see, I protect mm -hmm. you. Um, yeah. See, 
that now see what you believe what you wasted your time believing that you didn't huh. have to believe and um it was i would have never said that out loud now now i've told the story a lot but it's almost like you're embarrassed to tell people this is what i'm actually thinking but rather as you talk i feel like people are saying yeah me too i get it tell me about are, are there some specific verses that you go to that you're like man this is like money for me like when i feel whatever this verse really mm -hmm. encourages my heart um any anything come to mind yeah i mean i've sprinkled a lot of those throughout the book well first i'll say the one that was my go-to as a child was Joshua, what is it, one, eight and nine, I think. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Yes. You know, be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And, you know, I in the beginning of the book, I write about how my mom would read that to me as an anxious kid because that verse reminds you God is with you so you don't have to be afraid. But I misinterpreted it even, even as a child to, I would focus on haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. And I think, well, I'm not those things. Like you just said, like we can just get so caught up in our minds. It's debilitating. And I just remember thinking, okay, well, God is condemned. Like I would read into his word and his promises of love. I would read condemnation into it because my feelings did not match what he promised I could have. And so I found a lot of peace in, yes, memorizing comforting verses, but also just studying the Bible to have a relationship with the Lord, not just to try to pacify myself because and whenever I try, whenever I look at my relationship with God, like as a thing that's going to help myself, it, it's like, it doesn't work because that's like a self-centered, I'm so self-centered by nature. Um, it's like a self-centered goal. But when I just try to, when I read God's word in an effort to know him and worship him, then it's like, all these things are added unto you wherever that verse is. It's like, oh, and I'm also peaceful now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that is my go-to strategy. Um, it is so hard though. And again, like I get, I still like a week ago was like caught up in my brain and it is so hard. And that's why I write, um, it's page 111 in the book. I know it because I talk about it so much, but I quote this sermon by Tim Keller where he's talking about different factors, that biblical factors that contribute to a wounded spirit. And he explains how like, it's not an easy pat answer, like pray more, read your Bible more. Like it's complicated. That's the biblical answer because you might have, like I got my thyroid out last year. That can affect anxiety, depression. Um, brain chemical imbalance can affect it. Um, sin can affect it. Uh, Proverbs, it says the wicked flee though no one pursues. So you can feel anxious because you're sinning. And so taking a pill for that won't help you. You should repent. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I would just say, take comfort in, like you said, this is so common and it's, we get so, I get so isolated when I feel that way. And I think I'm worse than everybody. I probably said that last week. I'm more messed up than everybody else. I told my husband that, but, um, but you know, writing this book has been such a blessing to me because I've had so many people tell me like me too, like I feel like this too. And we can turn our attention away from all these scary things and rest in the promises of God. So I love yeah. that. We, um, my, the, the verse that I always go to is Isaiah 41, 10. Do not cry yes. <laughs> with you. And I love this because I feel like it's written right for me, but everyone clearly do not yep. anxiously look about you for mm -hmm. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I feel like, um, that's, that's what we're all kind of doing right now. Um, and, and you know what? He wrote that, God wrote that verse through Isaiah because he knew we would anxiously look about us. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> knew, I love that. He knew that we would be like, okay, I am totally freaking out right now. What the <laughs> heck is going on? And he is like, don't fear. 
Don't, yeah. do, you don't have to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, man, I have a lot, first of all, I love your name, which I didn't, I didn't ever said, uh, Scarlett is like, I love Scarlett O'Hara from, you know, can I tell you something, your yeah. name? And I'm, I wrote this down cause I didn't want to forget to tell you. I love your name so much that we were going to name our firstborn daughter Autumn. And we like even called her little Tum when I was pregnant. Cause we were going to be like, Oh, Autumn, little Tum. That's no. how much we love the name. Yes. We were going to name her Autumn. And we did it because we were part of this church in Miami at the time. And the senior pastor's granddaughter was Autumn. So it was like, are we going to add another Autumn to the class roster? <laughs> you know what I mean? So we just changed it because of that. But I love I your name. Like, I feel like Autumn is gaining some popularity. Like, oh, I love it. I've seen a lot of people name their little girls Autumn. And like 39, there's not a lot of us. So I'm like, yes, do it. I love it. Well, I love your name too. My daughter just tried out for her, um, her high high school play, whatever, theater class. And Mm -hmm. she did the um, monologue by Scarlett O'Hara where she picks up the radish and she says, this God is my witness. And I I love it. (laughs) How great. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being with us, Scarlett. You are amazing. I really Mm -hmm. appreciate you lending us your time. Um, glad, glad to have you back anytime. And for those of you that are listening, go grab her book, Afraid of All the Things, All the Things. <laughs> it says tornado, cancer, adoption, and other stuff you need the gospel for. Her and coronavirus. Is, and coronavirus. And coronavirus. Go pick up her book. I think it's so relevant and it's so so right now and thank you for listening you can catch your girl right back here tomorrow on the autumn Miles show the autumn Miles show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated to make a donation visit autumnmiles.com and if you make a donation of 100 dollars or more you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month this program is underwritten by mary maids of fort worth Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.